Chapter 7 of The Romance of Modern Electricity. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Romance of Modern Electricity by Charles R. Gibson. Chapter 7 How We Now Send Telegrams. Beginning of Public Telegraphs. A Telegram Outruns a Murderer. Impedes to Telegraphs. Government takes control. A country postmaster baffled. Speech wired in half the time of delivery. How high speeds are attained. How a falling current hands the signals to a vigorous current. Several messages pass simultaneously on one wire. Some clever inventions. Ordinary writing by telegraph. Typewriting telegraphs. Enormous telegraph business. Telegraph versus Telephone When His Majesty the King was born, in 1841, the good news was not heralded across the country by the telegraph, for the very good reason that not a single telegraph line connected any two towns together, the invention having only been applied to a few short private lines along the railways. In the United States, things were in very much the same position the first commercial line of telegraph not being opened until 1844, when Washington was connected with Baltimore. One would have expected this great invention to be received by the people with open arms, but in this country the inventors could not get anyone to take an interest in the matter, excepting railway companies, which were at the time few in number, so that the first five years working entailed a serious loss to the investors. How long things might have continued in this way, but for a chance incident, it is difficult to say. And indeed, one would not have been surprised to learn of the investors determining to abandon the scheme and to lose no more money. It so happened that a Quaker, having committed a murder near Slough, fled to the Great Western Railway and took train to London. But the news of the dreadful deed reached the station at Slough soon after his train had left. One can imagine the disappointed pursuers possibly thinking, quote, a miss is as good as a mile, end quote, for no living being could hope to overtake the train. But someone suggested getting the railway officials to send word over their telegraph line to London. A full description of the Quaker and particulars of what had happened were spelt out by the needle telegraph, so that the murderer, while no doubt congratulating himself that he had outrun any chance of arrest, was startled to find that news of his crime had reached London before him, as he was, quote, shadowed, end quote, on his arrival, and quietly arrested. One can imagine the news of this wonderful capture spreading through London, and from town to town, till the country began to praise the telegraph as a right useful messenger. Investors, who had previously looked upon the electric telegraph as too risky a business, would now be most willing to give financial support. The Electric Telegraph Company was soon formed, and within three years about 1,500 miles of wire were erected, and before our king was eight years of age, London, Birmingham, and Manchester were in direct communication by telegraph. It was not long before other private companies were formed. A telegram in those days meant important news. Even the wealthy would not have thought of wiring such messages as, quote, We'll come to see you tomorrow afternoon, 
wire if convenient, end quote. For such a telegram would have cost four or five shillings, even for a short distance, while the minimum charge between London and Edinburgh, or Glasgow, was twelve shillings. After about ten years working, one of the telegraph companies tried to adopt a universal rate of one shilling, but the opposition of the other companies was too strong. Five years later, all the companies agreed to a big reduction in rates, with the idea of increasing business, and this proved a great success. It is very well that the government took over the telegraph business in 1870, for it was only natural that the private companies would not extend their telegraph lines into districts where they could not hope for a profitable return. The government could afford to take a less mercenary view, and small towns and villages soon had their post offices connected by telegraph with the nearest large town. Till now, a perfect network of wires extends across the country in all directions. It is impossible to overestimate the value of the electric telegraph to the world, and yet it would not be surprising to find some people willing to denounce this invention as the destroyer of the once peacefully quiet life of the, quote, good old times, end quote. There is no doubt that the electric telegraph and the steam engine are the two chief factors in producing the hurry-scurry of the present day, but surely it is quite unnecessary to set forth the very great advantages which these inventions have brought into our everyday life by putting us in touch with all the ends of the earth. The speed with which intelligence could be conveyed to a distance by the electric telegraph, as compared with all previous methods, was so very great that the actual time required in manipulating the instrument was at first counted of small moment, but with the consequent hastening of business methods and the extended use of the telegraph system, a great deal of attention was soon given to means of increasing the speed at which messages could be dispatched. In country districts, there may still be found some of the ABC dials by which a word is slowly spelt out by causing an indicator to move round a dial and point out the letters of the alphabet separately. I remember many years ago going into a little country post office to dispatch a telegram and being informed by the elderly, quote, postmaster, end quote, that he couldn't get his machine to work. He explained that it had just been fitted up and that he found they had given him no bottles to work it with, such as he had seen at the neighboring village. I suggested that possibly his, quote, machine, end quote, didn't require any bottles, which proved to be the case, as he had one of those ABC dials in which no battery is required, the current being obtained by driving a little magneto machine in exactly the same fashion as one rings up on a telephone. Of course, the advantage of these instruments for country districts was that the operator required to learn no special code or alphabet, but these would only be tolerated now, where speed is of little consequence. Even the needle telegraph, which is purely an English instrument, is much too slow and is only used now for small districts and in signal cabins on the railway. The Morris, quote, sounder, end quote, described in the preceding chapter, is almost universally used 
both in this country and in the United States, for ordinary business, as it is necessary for the operator to spell out each word and space the dots and dashes correctly, it will be apparent that even in the hands of a skilled expert, the time taken in sending a message must be very much longer than the time required to speak the words. One might easily speak 180 words in a minute, but an operator could not signal more than 35 words comfortably in the same time, so that a two-hour speech delivered in Parliament when telegraphed would occupy a line from London to another important center for a whole night, which would be a serious matter for the economical working of the post office. Fortunately, this is not necessary, and although it may seem incredible, it is a fact that a two-hour speech may be passed over a single line in less than half the time taken to speak it. While the speech is in progress, the reporters may hand their copy to operators who prepare a paper ribbon in a punching machine making holes to represent the Morris signals. With a full staff of reporters and operators, the whole copy of the speech may be thus ready on the punched ribbon almost as soon as the delivery of the speech is finished, and it is only necessary then to run this paper by clockwork through a special transmitter, thus causing the makes and breaks of contact by means of the perforated holes, at a speed far greater than can possibly be done by the quickest expert's hand. The Wheatstone Automatic Sender which is in general use, can easily transmit at a speed of from 250 to 400 words per minute, the former figure being counted a fair working speed over a distance. It is in connection with the automatic transmitter that the, quote, Morris Inker, end quote, is chiefly used to receive the signals, but the latter may, of course, be worked by an ordinary hand key as well. If an automatic transmitter were merely sending signals to a, quote, Morris sounder, end quote, it would be quite impossible to read the clicks by ear. If they were coming in at a speed of about 300 words per minute, then there would be as many as 4,500 clicks made against the upper stop in one minute, which is equivalent to 70 signals in each second of time. Therefore, without the Morris anchor, the automatic transmitter would be of no service. The most important use of the automatic transmitters is for press news, but they are also used for ordinary messages on busy lines. At the larger telegraph offices, all the instruments are supplied with current from a storage battery, the number of cells for any one line depending upon its resistance. The longer the wire, the greater the resistance, and therefore the more pressure required to send the current through. In order to decrease the resistance on long wires, they are made of better conducting properties. When an electric current has traveled a long distance, its strength is considerably reduced owing to the resistance of the wire, so that an electric impulse on reaching a far distant town may not have sufficient energy left to cause the electromagnet to attract the comparatively heavy armature required to make a distinct sound or to cause a recording instrument to impress the signals clearly on paper. This apparent difficulty is very easily overcome, for as long as there is a very small current, 
this will be sufficient to cause a small electromagnet to attract a very light lever and the movement of this lever can switch on a local battery to the telegraph instrument this small electromagnet and lever arrangement is called a relay or a repeater and when the operator depresses his key or when he makes a series of up and down movements the electromagnet of the distant relay causes its lever to make a similar number of up and down movements so that this lever exactly imitates the sending key and operates the telegraph instrument to which it is attached on going into the telegraph room of a large post office the stranger merely hears a meaningless rattle of clicks but to the experienced telegraphist it is just as though he were in a crowded room and heard a number of conversations being carried on by different parties the operators sit in rows at narrow tables or benches to which their telegraph instruments are fixed the wires pass along these tables one wire leading from the battery room to the operator's contact key and the other wire back along the table to a board whereon are fastened all the ends of the outside telegraph lines one does not find a great network of wires over a large telegraph office because the wires are led through the city underground and then they branch off in all directions carried on the familiar telegraph poles these overhead wires have often been a great source of trouble during a severe storm of wind or snow their downfall causing serious dislocation of commercial business so that the post office has been forced to make some of the connections between the more important cities by insulated wires buried in pipes in the earth even with overhead connections each wire means a considerable expense and so telegraphists found means of sending more than one message at a time over a wire it seems to the stranger quite ridiculous to attach several telegraph instruments to each end of a single wire one would expect an utter confusion of signals but it is not so every line of importance in this country is quote, duplexed end quote, to carry two messages at one time there being of course two operators at each end one of these operators sends messages while his local partner is receiving messages from the distance and yet there is no confusion it would be difficult to give a clear statement of how this is done without going into technical details so i shall merely remark in passing that one may picture the receiving instrument as being electrically shielded from the outgoing current leaving the same station and only affected by the incoming current so that a transmitting operator at each end is sending messages out to a receiving operator at the opposite end of the wire at large centers eight operators use one wire at the same time there being four operators at each end two operators are sending messages out and the other two are receiving messages and each receiver picks up its own message in this manner a current is kept constantly flowing on the wire neither receiver is affected by this current but a change in the strength of the current operates the one telegraph while a change in direction of the current moves the second receiver inventions have been made whereby a larger number of messages may be sent over a single wire simultaneously 
but these are not in everyday use. In one system, it is arranged to have each operator the use of the wire in turn, his turn recurring as quickly as he can possibly make use of it. This system requires a rapidly revolving connection at each end of the wire, both mechanisms keeping perfect time, and the mechanical difficulties of keeping these two motors in absolute harmony with each other has proved too much for ordinary practice. Another inventor sends as many as a dozen messages at one time over a single wire using telephone receivers, with each hum a different sound, each telephone replying to its own signals only. The sounds, of course, represent the clicks of the Morse alphabet. Among other recent inventions is one in which a perforated tape is prepared to transmit currents to a distant receiver which contains a tiny mirror throwing a spot of light onto a photographic paper. The movements of the mirror are so controlled by the current that the pencil of light traces out the different letters of the alphabet upon the paper. It reminds one of a boy reflecting the sun's rays against a wall by means of a small mirror. He can make the spot of light dance about at will, and, if the irresponsive wall would only retain the impression of the spot of light, the boy could write upon the wall with his pencil of light. In the telegraph instrument, one particular set of perforations passing through the transmitter causes the tiny mirror in the receiver at the distant end to move so that the letter A is traced upon the photographic paper. Another set of perforations produces B, and so on. The photographic paper, after receiving these impressions, is chemically developed and fixed by the receiving instrument. This instrument has the advantage of a very high speed in working, as many as 40,000 words having been telegraphed over a considerable distance in one hour, which means that the whole of the text of this book could be telegraphed in less time than one could read a quarter of its contents. Another advantage is that the receiving instrument delivers the message to the operator in ordinary writing. For the reception of press news, this advantage is rather lost, as it is necessary for the post office in any case to write out a number of copies by means of a manifold book, sending one copy to each of the local newspaper offices. An expert will read the regular Morse signals about as easily as the ordinary ABC, so that the longhand written message is of no great advantage to him. There seems to be a large field open for typewriting telegraphs. These have been used on the continent for a long time, but one disadvantage has been that the message was written on a tape or ribbon of paper. There is great activity in this line of invention at present. One inventor uses a typewriter to prepare a perforated tape, which is run through the transmitter, operating the distant receiver, which produces a similar perforated tape, which in turn is run through a special typewriter, producing the message in letter form. This may seem a somewhat roundabout method, but the object is to gain a high rate of speed in transmission over the line. Other inventors are at work with type wheels in the receiving instruments to be controlled by a distant transmitter, 
having keys similar to a typewriting machine, the message to be in page form ready for delivery. This is really equivalent to having the keys of a typewriter at one end of the line wire while the types are at the distant end. There seems little doubt we shall one day receive our telegrams in typewritten form, just as produced by the telegraph instrument. There is an invention of long standing by which one may write in ordinary hand using a pen connected to some electrical mechanism and a pen in the distant receiver will exactly imitate every movement of the pen in the transmitter so that one may write a letter or sketch a picture on the transmitter and a reproduction will simultaneously appear at the distant receiver this apparatus is most ingenious and would, no doubt, have come into general use for private lines, but for the advent of the telephone. The telegraph business has grown to an enormous extent. In Great Britain alone, there were 93 millions of telegrams passed over the wires in the year 1903, while the United States of America followed closely with 91 millions. France and Germany each handling about half as many, while Russia and Japan dispatched 19 and 17 millions, respectively. But for the growth of the telephone system, there is no doubt these totals would have been much greater by this time. However, taking the grand total of the six countries above mentioned, one finds that these countries among them handle about 1 million telegrams every day of the year, omitting Sundays. The total of telegrams handled by the British Post Office in 1904 was about 3 million less than in the previous year, and no doubt one of the main causes of this decline has been the rapid increase of telephonic communication. While Great Britain leads in telegraphic messages, it comes far behind with its telephone total. In the United States, over 5,000 millions of telephone messages have been exchanged in one year, so that for every telegram dispatched in America, 50 telephone conversations took place. There is not the least probability of the telegraph being ultimately eclipsed by the telephone for long-distance work, but great changes will doubtless take place within the next generation and it may be that the telegraph will become the usual means of transmitting ordinary business correspondence at a very low rate. End of chapter 7